This is Work of the Beat. It is Thursday, February 13th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cunningham, along with Mike Curran. Glad you could join us. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. A day early. Sure, you're, you and your loved one are planning a special weekend coming up. Uh, big weekend, actually, for a lot of people. It's President's Day weekend, too, so the extra day on Monday. And... Uh, just a nice, comfortable weekend coming up. No football, no NBA. Well, the NBA All Star Game. Just Which the they're playing like five different ways now. It's all, every All Star Game has become a gimmick, except baseball. Every that, other one's a gimmick. Baseball is even a gimmick in a way. I mean, or it was a gimmick. No, but they home, and they it was home field advantage was the gimmick. Yeah, but the game wasn't. A, yeah, but the game itself wasn't a gimmick. They played a game. Yeah. Basketball, hockey, and football, they, they do something, but I don't know what it is. And I really don't care. Uh, it's just, I don't. Come up on the, today's show. Uh, our guest is Jason Bertitis, uh, formerly of 97.5 The Fanatic, now with the Flyers. Uh, you heard the latest promos, by the way. I have J- not. Jason is, it's, it's so on the, he's on the, he's back, but they have a commercial with him on that station. Plugging Flyers tickets. Now or never. That's, that, that's the whole, now. I get it. You're trying to get people. Now or never doesn't work with the Flyers. This no. is not now or never. In fact, I'll ask Jason about that, and I'm sure he didn't come up with it. No, because so. it was before Jason got hired, actually. That's stupid. It's stupid. If the Sixers want to be now or never, okay. You know, they they have legitimate, we can win a championship kind of thing, we'll, and we'll get into the Sixers, because that that's ridiculous that they win one home game. We're a good team. Well, remember that they were favored to be, remember, and now everybody's like, hey! Yeah. We'll get into the Sixers as well, but remember the Flyers' original slogan this year was fly or die. See, see I don't understand okay. the, the, the or die part. They're not supposed to win the Stanley Cup. They're not supposed to get to the Eastern Finals. Well, after, maybe not supposed but after to... The, as, after the Oscar... When, uh, uh, yeah. What? See, I think when you have promotions like that, you got to be very careful. Yeah, because let's say they don't make the playoffs for the sake of argument, or the more likely scenario, they make the playoffs but maybe don't win a round, right? Which they haven't done in eight years. You can't. I just don't understand where somebody would would come up with that because it just sets you up to look stupid. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, we went through the whole Sixers thing forty years ago with we owe you one, but that at least. And then we owed you two, and we owed, but they were a championship team. They were making the yeah. finals. They had, you know, yeah. I just I, anyway. So so we'll talk to Jason. And I'm rooting for the Flyers. We're, we're talking for the Flyers. About, we'll talk to Jason about the, the Flyers. We'll get in the Sixers conversation. Matt Clentak met the media in Clearwater this morning as uh, kickoff week for uh, the Phillies is underway. Uh, under 80 degree and sunny skies, and you would have uh, been there on the Gulf Coast. I may still be there, but that's a whole different story. You haven't figured out what you're doing yet this weekend? No, 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 no. Uh, next weekend, did, did I'm going you, to Washington. Did, did you look into airfares? I told. Yes, you. I did. They were a little cheaper, weren't they? I like did. On Frontier? Um, kind of. It's a different trip. I got you. I'm going with my wife next weekend sure. away, yeah. and I may be taking my stepson down to Florida, and I think we're going to do the uh, we're going to do the car ride, I think. Whatever turns you on. Man. I know. You, got, you got enough time to do that? Yeah. Okay, I'm just asking. Well, I mean, it's basically being a sub-teacher. It's like you just say... I, I got you. I, I mean, you're not getting paid. I, I got mean, you. But, you know, um, hey, whatever, you know, floats your boat. 
so that is all up ahead here on this edition of Work and Beat. I, I was telling Mr. Kern before we started, I was at the auto show on a Tuesday night, and uh, a couple of things struck me. One, we went out to dinner in the city, and um, we went to the Hard Rock, and it is amazing that every, you know, every Sixer game now is such a big event. And, like, there were eyes, uh, you know, you pass the field houses there, you go into the Hard Rock. Every television was set to the Sixer Clipper game, and every eye in the building was on it. And that just shows you, for as much as the drama is bad, the drama is good economically and interest-wise for the Sixers. And, you know, here they are at the All-Star break, as you said, people feeling good again suddenly after they beat Los Angeles. I, I don't... Look, I, I'm not giving up on them. I, I told you this a couple times. But at the same time, because you know I listen to my guy Ann a lot, and Ann's all in, because mm-hmm. and that's fine. He's allowed to be. But they beat the Clippers at home to go 25-2 and two at home. They've beaten the Bucks at home, the Lakers. I would have been surprised if they lost. And then everybody treated it like, well, they, and, and I get it. They played really well. It's also- against a team they can meet in the finals. I get it. Then how about you wait until they beat a couple of those teams on the road? Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm saying. I, I still think they're, they're going to win like 50-some games again. Um, I don't know where they're going to finish in the standings, but it was like this, like, did you see what they did against the Clippers? I said they were favored by seven, I think. I'm pretty sure that was the line. Yeah, it was. Okay, so if you're favored by seven and you win by ten... What am I missing here? What, what, tell, tell me what I'm missing. They, well, I, I think part of it they're is... They're going to lose like four games at home, home this year. And they may win about 38, 36, 37, whatever. They're going to be really good at home. We know that. Okay. But until they win on the road, I think the skeptics well, are going to still be there. You go into right playoffs there. and win all your home games. Maybe you only have to win a couple road games. Okay, fine. Maybe they'll go unbeaten at home. I don't notice. But why would that game all of a sudden change the narrative? I don't get that. You should be happy that they played well against a really good team. Mm-hmm. The Clippers got like 19 losses. Eight, eight, I mean, it ain't like they're... They're not the Lakers. Well, right now they're not. Maybe right, or, the, or the Bucks or whatever. I I'm mean, just saying is, I, 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 and that's where we're at. A week ago, people were trashing them. People were like, oh, my God, the sky's well, falling. Well, and the Embiid stuff, I think, didn't help it either, but that's a whole different story. I mean, and then tell me when they go on a road trip and win at Denver and Utah or something like that, like like back Well, they had the Clippers and Lakers back-to-back in, uh, okay. in L.A. in a couple And weeks. maybe they'll win one of those games. Maybe they'll win both of them. I don't know, but I won't bet real money on it. No. So we'll see. So then what's everybody going to do? If they go to L.A. and, and get beat twice, what's everybody going to do then? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, I can't deal with this. It's like it, it, you can't treat basketball like it, like an NFL season, but that's what we do. You can't. You can't treat a Philly season like an NFL season, but that's what we, we do a little bit, more so with the Sixers, because we have expectations for them. And I, I just, I, please, like, just stop. Let it play. Now they're already projecting, well, you know, they got 27 games. Left, and and no, they could win 20, 21. Maybe they can, which would get them to like 54, which is, yeah, they're still going to come under the number that Vegas set for them. Which was? I think it was like 57, 56, 57. Okay. Maybe I'm, it was around there. And I might have bet the over. 
to be honest with you, at the start, because I didn't think they'd be this bad on the road. You know, but I mean, I'm just saying is, we know they're good. They've shown flashes of being good. We know this. This is not a, and then they had a bad four-game stretch, you know, where they went and just looked like crap against some decent teams. Hawks aren't a decent team, but the other ones were. Um, they just, w- wake me up. W- wake me up when the playoffs start. April. Wait, yeah, wake me up. Yeah, because what if they go on? Yeah, now it's like, well, can we get the third seed? Let's say they get the third seed. Okay, and then what I love, too, is people are like, well, I'm not afraid of Boston. Nobody says you have to be afraid of Boston. But what does that mean? Uh, Celtics got no chance if they play. Hey, look at the standings. The Celtics are ahead of you. Right. I know you've beaten them three out of four times. I get that. Um, I don't know. I just... I get, the playoffs can't get here fast enough. frustrated. No, because I want the playoffs to get here. Because I, I hate this part of it. Like with the Flyers, the ride is, is going to be a little bit compelling. Because you don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not. You don't... Know what this last you know month and a half is going to? You know, every game with them is like big because mm-hmm. they almost have to like tonight. They got they're at Florida, right? And it, you know they they just lost on the road to the Isles. You know it's a game that they probably would really help them if they won because they're in a race with it. But you know we're at different stages with different teams. You know, be like the Phillies this year. Yeah, it and is. The Phillies journey should be interesting because I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. The well, Sixers, I know I'm going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I think that's a big a big difference. I think you're right. I mean, and do you still think the Sixers... How, how do I put this? this? This isn't going to sound right. Do you still think the Sixers, by and large, are the second best team in the East? No. Okay. See, I think... How can you look... I mean, uh, and here, here will be my argument. Okay. How can you look at what Milwaukee's done? I throw Milwaukee out. Okay. Milwaukee's how won. can you look at what Toronto's done? I got gotcha. you. I'm with you, but I'm just saying. And honestly, Boston and Miami have better bodies of work. Now, in the playoffs, does that translate? I don't think so. I agree, but I think there's, like, you're right. You're not wrong. You're right. But I think there's times when the Sixers tease you. Oh, yeah. And you look at them and you go, man, like, if all this works, like, if you know, if if Simmons plays like that and Embiid plays like that, the problem is they don't do that all the time. I'm going to give an analogy and... This may be dated, and this may be um, this may not be politically correct. Before you say that, real quick, see, I think there's people that do think the Sixers are the second best team. I okay. think you're right. Okay, but I think there are people out there who look at it and say, "We're better than Toronto. We're better than Miami. We're better than Boston." Okay, the Sixers. I'm going to use the comparison. Okay, when you're in high school. Okay, remember. You I don't to, remember high school. All right. No. <laughs> did, you, did you used to go to dances in high school or something? Yes. Okay. Father Judge. I was at the uh, same here. We both went to judge dances. Okay. <laughs> what there, a waste of my time. <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> Bringing back bad memories here, Kevin. Okay. There was always the one girl who you could see across the room who was incredibly, incredible looking. Okay. Who was just absolutely just gorgeous okay and you went wow i want to yeah i should no i I never looked at that girl because i knew i had no chance okay i know my limitations okay but but let me let me finish okay and so you maybe even if you did go up and talk to her maybe you talked to her for a few minutes and everything and then you realize she's just back crap crazy 
Okay. That she's that she has no personality. She has all these flaws. I never got that far. Beyond. I never got, you never did. No, I never got that far. Cause you're, you're giving me a bad analogy for me. Cause I never tried to, to get, to the nicest looking girl. I, I knew my limitations. Okay. The just, point just is, the, the Sixers are the nicest looking girl. You look and you say, wow, they got, you know, this and that and that and that. Sometimes. And then you realize they're just dysfunctional when you actually get to know but them. Can they get, I guess what some people are saying is, that they think they're going to get functional in this next two months. That by the time the playoffs start, you and I, or they will, will sit there and say, even if they're the four seed or, or whatever it turns out they are, they're the second best team in the East and they're going to play Milwaukee. Now, the, the flip side of that is if they're the four or five, they, they would have to play Milwaukee in the second round, yeah. not the third. But, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand how one win at home over a team you were favored to beat and you beat them by a little more than you were favored suddenly transforms my narrative. I and I know they got a stretch coming up where it's it's a little favorable, and then you were, you were saying like then they have a tough stretch. I guess it involves those two LA games. Yeah, they go back on the coast. Yeah, but I'm just early I, March. I don't understand. Like to me, everybody after that game just said, "Hey, that was good. They they did what they had to do. They beat the Clippers, um, and it was nice to see them play like that. But it was, you know, if uh, they had been seven point underdog, like if that game was in LA and this like the same thing happened and they were like a, an underdog." And they won by 10, I'd say, hey. But I would still say, it's one game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like they had the four before that. There were, one game can't wait, wait back the four before that. No. But apparently it did. I must have missed it. Did my analogy make sense? It, not to me. I, I know where you were going, because, but I wasn't trying. No, I wasn't never trying to get that girl. That, that's just me. I... I, I I was me. Except for when you met your wife, of course. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm trying to cover you up here. No, you're not covering me up. I, was, I can tell you exactly what happened tonight. We went over to a club in Jersey. It's no longer there, near the, near the racetrack. Um, and um, it was me and a couple of my friends. And I just said, I'm not leaving here until I get a dance. And we, we were drinking, you know, we were whatever. And I asked her to dance once. She said no. I asked her to dance another time. She said no. And she was with a couple of her friends. And uh, I asked her a third time. She said yes. So as I tell her all the time, if I had just left after two, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was the alcohol in me. I have no idea. You know, but but wow, if I, I will say I was in the same place. That's a hallmark moment right there. Oh, that I got a good, I got a better story. No, I don't. No, no, no. In the same place, I once had danced and drank with Angelo Bruno's granddaughter. You know, you know. I now, know Angelo Bruno. It was I'm, I'm in this place. Philadelphia mob boss Angelo Bruno. I'm in this. I can't make this up. I'm in. I'm in the place. You know, and look, she's nice looking girl. You know, whatever. I went over. You know, whatever we had. Whatever. We're sitting there and we're talking. And she and she she looks at me and she goes, "Now, she, I, I just I gotta let you know." She goes, "Like, do you know who Angelo Bruno is?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, "Well, I'm his granddaughter. I just and his daughter, and, his daughter or his granddaughter. I think it was his granddaughter." Okay. Yeah, because yeah, Angela was like seven. Yeah, it would have been his granddaughter, and um, um, because his daughter probably would have been like thirty or forty at the time. And anyway, she goes, yeah, there's there's like f- there's four people in here, like it, you know, just watching over me. I just wanted to let you know that. 
And I think I said thank you, and that was it. You imagine that? I could have. I could have. You could have been involved in the family. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's so many jokes that I'm. I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been doing the show with you, <laughs> and I neither would I with you. When we come back, it's Jason. Can't make that. See, I can't make that up. That no. was. A, that's a true story. When we come back, it's Jason Martinez. I think that's next work in the beat. This is Kevin Cooney, and I want a great new way to get advertisers on your podcast. It's called Podcorn, the marketplace that connects podcasters with amazing opportunities to make some money. We're using it here at Work of the Beat, and it is awesome. Simply browse the advertisers right on Podcorn's platform, set your own rates, talk to the brands directly without any exclusivity clauses, and the best part of all, there's no middleman. Podcorn is there at every step of the way, ensuring that you are protected and compensated for the work that you do. Are you interested? Well, you should be. Well, hit the podcorn.com. That's P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com. Or check out the show notes for a link to their website. That's podcorn.com. And joining us now, the our good buddy who... Um, Long time at both 94 and 97.5. And now working with the Flyers on their podcast network, he is Mr. Hockey. It's Jason Martinez. Jason, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm Mr. NBA. I don't know if you can get the memo. Oh, you're you're Mr. NBA? You're Hoops, too? (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of, you guys, as you guys know, I called my, I was self-proclaimed Mr. NBA, but that was obviously tongue firmly planted in cheek. Yes. Hey, Jason, whatever happens, we'll always have game five of the World Series, pal. That's all I know. Uh, We do. We do have that. Colonel and I do in a show. Two shows. The only time time a World Series gets rain delayed in a deciding game, and I got stuck with the Colonel. Yeah, I know. We were sitting there for like two hours trying to figure out what the hell they were going to do. And I think we went off the air at some point. I don't know. The thing that was good about it, though, was like, because we're all up against the World Series. It's like, could there be a shittier assignment, you know? <laughs> it's like, hey, guys, why don't you go do a radio show up against the first championship in 25 years? See how you do. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, we're talking to the wall. It's just me and the colonel. Yeah. And I'm just here, Saturday. You think you big parade will be on Saturday. <laughs> hey, hey, I, was on, I was on during the Super Bowl with Rob Cherry, too. We were, yeah. we were on from someplace down in Delaware County, and – it, I mean, it was what? good. It was fun. The, uh, the Super what? Well, let me when the Eagles won, the, the only people that that know you were on against the Super Bowl are you and Rob because everybody. Was <laughs> <looking> <laughs> at we were we were at this bar. Yeah, it was it was when the Eagles lost to the Patriots, and, okay. and we were on. And I think D Lineham was uh, giving us reports from the game or something. I'm I'm trying to remember. It was it was. How did D give reports from the I, game? Wasn't maybe D? it was somebody else. Maybe, no, it, it, but there was somebody who was at the. Oh no no no. Um. Maybe it was Rhea. Maybe D Gun, not Probably D-Gun. Rhea. Probably now, Rhea. it was, might have been Rhea, who I think was down at the game and was like calling us periodically with like things. When, when the score changes, you'll be back. Yeah. Uh, I remember yelling into the radio, like, doesn't he know that there, there's seven minutes left and they're down, and they're down 10? <laughs> Jace, yeah. I got I to ask it. I mean, it, you know, you, I think you, you your final thing was your final show on 97.5 was right around the beginning of football season, right? It was Halloween. It was yeah, Halloween. It was that late? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
The balls on that company. They imagine if I wore a costume to work that day, <laughs> they would have had to fire me dressed up as like Bozo the Clown. <laughs> Just remember though, when Josh Innes got let go, he also lost his car, so he had to walk home. <laughs> if you remember that story, <laughs> which oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I know a lot of radio guys that have gone through that. It's like, hey, part of your deal is you get a car. But then what they don't tell you is that when we fire you, we keep the car. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> what What was it like for you the rest of a football season? Obviously, I mean, I, uh, you know, is it tough? Is it tough not having to, you know, when the Eagles are going on and you don't have that bullhorn anymore, was it tough or not? Yeah, it, it was weird because, like, I, I've been doing it so long, Kev, kind of, that, like, you know, it – it is. It's therapy for us, whether it's, like you know, what you guys did, what you're doing now, whether it's talking, writing, going on TV, talking about it. It's it's a way – it's our voice. That's how we get our voice and our opinion out there, and it's very therapeutic, right? So, you know, losing that at the drop of a dime, and, you know, I wasn't expecting to get canned. You know, the show was doing well. We had a double-digit chair. I had hit three bonuses in a row. When they brought me in and, and told me I was being let go, I laughed. I'm like, this is right. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm in like year, I'm in three weeks into year two of a contract here, <laughs> you know, but there's, there's ways around that in that will state like Pennsylvania. But, um, no, you know what it was for me when it happened, I was obviously stunned and blindsided, but, um, it gave me a chance to step away for the first time in a long time. And it just kind of, you know, I, I wasn't even real interested in watching the Eagles for a couple of weeks cause I didn't have to. So it was like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of surround myself with family and, and, you know, my son plays hockey and, you know, my daughters are involved in sports. So it was just all of that without distraction for a change. Um, Our business, our business can suck. I wasn't rearranging my life to do so because I didn't have to anymore. Right. Um, Eventually, you know, towards the end of the season, I started getting back a little bit, but for a period of time there, for a couple of weeks, I didn't watch any football, really. I didn't watch any basketball. And well, I still watch hockey, but you know how that. But that's you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's just that's every part of my fiber of my being is is that sport. I mean, I'm if I'm not covering a game or working a game or whatever, I'm in a rink anyway, either coaching or playing myself like an idiot still at 47. You know, so which is kind of that's part of me, and I don't think that'll ever change. Jason, it's funny because I have a friend of mine who uh, works at a radio station in the suburbs, and, and we always talk about. Why do, Why is it that the Flyers don't get more of a pulse on the two local sports talk stations? Um, you know, 94, I kind of get it a little bit, but 97 being a flagship, it surprised me that they haven't really encouraged more Flyers talk. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think one of them is just there's a notion that if you talk hockey, people change the channel. And I'll tell you, as a guy and and Mike knows this, you know, I, I was a guy that programmed major market sports radio stations. Um, I've seen the research. I've seen the data of all that stuff. And that's a false, that's a false narrative. That's to use with Donald Trump. That's fake news. People don't change the channel. Now, if you talk exclusively about hockey on a Friday in October of week seven of the NFL, then you're, yeah, you're going to lose. But if there's something relevant happens and you talk about it and, and you do your freaking job and are educated and can pre- present a you know a compelling conversation, nobody's going to change the channel. That's bullshit. And the other part of it is this notion that, oh, this has always been this huge Sixers town. I got news for you guys. In the time that I worked at WIP in the 2000s, the first part of the decade, the Flyers got way better ratings 
than the Sixers. Not better ratings, way better ratings mm-hmm. when we had both teams on that stage. So this notion that you know the Sixers are an incredibly compelling yet frustrating story right now. The Flyers aren't as exciting, but they're probably equally as good and a promising future. But part of the reason, Kev, why people don't talk about it is because they're not educated about it. And is that because no t- why why is it that the why is it the hosts are not educated? I mean, look, there's some hosts. Gonna ask them. I'm gonna ask them. Do, you, do you, I know there was a host on the air yesterday? Somebody messaged me on Twitter and said they were listening to a show and somebody called in and asked why they had a hard time in the Islander game. And the host said, "Well, Shane Gostisbehere hasn't been good defensively." What that host didn't realize is Shane Gostisbehere was a fucking scratch for the game. Yeah, am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah, go ahead. You just did. You just sure. did. And we're not live, so yeah. I mean, but no, yeah, you can curse, oh. Jason. But but you know that host didn't know that, and you know you know this, guys. None of us want to be put in a position of disadvantage when we're on the air. Mm-hmm. You know, so we don't want to talk about things or focus a conversation in an area where we're weak. But my point is, look, I, I'm not the strongest basketball guy. I've never tried to be like a technical NBA guy on the air. It just wasn't who I was. But I could always hold a conversation, mm-hmm. and I can throw questions to an audience. You don't have to be a know-it-all all the time. And I think that there's too many know-it-alls on the radio right now that don't have the time or the place to sit there and maybe be exposed when the audience knows more than they do. Yeah, that, And that's a shame. That's why I love being like a two-man thing. Like if I'm on here with Kevin, I know there's things he's better at than I am, you know, maybe mm-hmm. vice versa sometimes, but I don't have to feel if, if I don't know something, I'll be the first to say, <laughs> I don't know. That's, you know, that's not my area of, um, and the other, whatever. And the other part is you have to have, and, and you've worked with partners and I don't want to get you in a position that you may not want to go to. You have to have trust in your partner that you can play off each other. And yeah, that's not that's always the case. Now. What? Yeah, you're right. Now I worked with Anthony and, you know, working with Anthony and, and you know, my last iteration of doing the show, it was good because, you know, he knows basketball like, you know, it's nobody's business. That mm-hmm. He loves it, right? He's a, he geeks out over basketball like I geek out over hockey. So I wasn't going to sit there and try and have a debate with him about, you know, you know, the, you know, the intricacies of the game because he was way more qualified in that area than me. So we would talk about debate things. Um, me more from the layman's perspective and him from more of a technical perspective, mm-hmm. but then vice versa. When we would talk about hockey, he wasn't going to hit me on, you know, the technical aspects of hockey. Like I was good. It was kind of, you know, we covered all bases in doing that show. We all love football. We all have tons of opinions when it comes to basketball, hockey, and baseball, we have variants, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Jason. For, so for people who haven't, really been paying attention a lot. You know, maybe somebody like me a little bit, you know, you pay attention to it, but okay, the Eagles were playing and the Sixers are kind of a bigger story. Talk about this team, which is in a playoff chase, obviously. Um, Some people think they can be a dangerous team come the playoffs if they make it. That might not be the team you want to play. Why should we care? Like, why should we start to get excited about this team more for this season, but even for down the road? It's a great question, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons. One is, um, I'll start with the biggest one, and I think that's the coach, guys. Now, we never plunk our money down to go to the stadium to watch a coach coach. You know what I mean? In any sport, you just don't. But what the the trickle-down effect of a coach is what you go to watch. And Elaine Vigneault has just got so much cachet. And I, I, I say he's James Bond. 
Like he's so <laughs> smooth. Like I think he drives an Aston Martin that has machine guns that come out of the lights <laughs> in the front. You know, he like he's just French Canadian cool. You know, and he commands so much respect because he's taken two teams to a Cup final. Now he hasn't won a cup, but he's taken the Vancouver Canucks in 2011 to a Cup final and the 2015 New York Rangers to a final. And he demands a lot of his players. But the really good thing, and you guys like this too, he's always good copy. Yeah. He, he says stuff, and, and it's not BS about his players. But the cool thing about what he says about players, and he holds everybody to the same level of accountability, whether you're making $9 million a year or you're making an entry-level $750,000. He holds them all to the same level, and, and he'll criticize them publicly. But the good thing is you know that he's already had that conversation with the player one-on-one. Jason, That, to me is huge well and i'm thinking back to that night a couple weeks ago where they played was it montreal uh after they beat st louis and somebody asked i guess Giroux had made a comment in the the locker room i was uh, i was over at the montreal locker room but somebody asked them about hey you know big emotional game you know sometimes natural letdown and he looks and and says you know there's a word that starts with b that i'm thinking of and i think you know which one i'm thinking of which is basically calling out bullshit which Yep. Dave Hackstall does not do. Dave would have twisted and turned to try to protect everybody, I think. Yeah. That. See, see, I love that. Because, you know why I love that, Kev? Because while whatever, I don't even know if it was Drew who said it or I'm not sure. It might have been Drew and uh, Borchick maybe said it. Right. Um, well, they're right. It is hard to get your. We all played sports. We covered sports. We know there's ups and downs and ebbs and flows. Like, he's dead right. It was going to be a tough spot to get your energy up. But what the coach said is, I don't give a crap, guys. Right. You you don't you haven't won anything to have the luxury to blame a spot in the schedule when you're in a dogfight. So mm-hmm. you can take your it was hard to get energy up and shove it where the sun don't shine because you haven't proven shit yet. And until you do, don't cite that kind of thing. Jason Martinez is joining us here. Go ahead. Hey, Jason, what you know, obviously the playoffs is the goal and, and I think people will really start to get jacked up a little bit. And they're always going to get overshadowed by the Sixers because the Sixers have legitimate championship aspirations, even if they're not playing like it. But what would be a successful season for this team? Do they have to make the playoffs? Do they have to win a first-round series? What, you know, because they're still in the kind of the embryo stage of this, I would think. Well, it's a good question. It's weird. And, you know, like a month ago, I would have probably given you a different answer than I'm going to give you now. You know, like say and make the playoffs, you know, this whole theory in the winter sports has been, well, you got to make the playoffs. Everybody makes the playoffs. Well, yeah, they used to, when there was 21 teams in the NHL and 16 made it, yeah, pretty much everybody made the playoffs, right? Half the league doesn't make it now. Right. Yeah. Half the league doesn't make it. And it is really difficult. Look, the Flyers are on a pace guys to have over 98 points and they have a probability of making the playoffs at 57.9%. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Right. I mean, they've never had a team in the NHL with 99 or 100 points at least not make the playoffs. Now, if they were in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference, which they're not, they'd be the first-place team in the division. Yeah, they would. They just happen to play in the toughest division in the entire NHL and the deepest. Six teams right now in the Metropolitan Division are in the top 12 teams in the league. So, But for them to be a success guy, yeah, you got to make the playoffs – and and you got to show well. That's winning around because if you end up as wild card number two and you get Boston, I mean, is that a series they can win? I mean, you never say never in the NHL because 
the Washington Capitals in 2010 lost to the Montreal Canadiens because Yarrow Halak was stopping 60 pucks a game, you know? Right. Tampa know. Tampa lost to Columbus last year because of what happened. Oh, they, didn't lose. they got boat raced yeah. right out of the building. And the Flyers have yeah. beaten a lot of good teams. I mean, in the I yeah. think in the last month alone, right? They've beaten three or four teams that were... Well, they beat Lewis on the road. They beat Capitals, the Capitals on the road. They beat Boston coming back from three goals down. Right. They've beaten every good team in the league. And, I mean, if you polled teams in the Eastern Conference right now, they'd say... Who's the team you don't want to see in the first round? The Flyers may be at the top of that list because of the Jekyll and Hyde that they – because if you get Jekyll, you're in real trouble, you know? Right. Uh, Jason, let me ask you about the captain. Um, There was a lot of articles a couple weeks ago about how Claude Giroux's numbers have fallen off, and it depends on – you know, I think there was a natural writer slant, you know, if they're feeling like – you know, there's some people who said, ah, this is only – part of a cycle and he'll bounce back. And there's others who said, well, this might be a legitimate turn downward for him. Um, where are you standing? I know you've always been a big Giroux guy. And, and part two on this is does Giroux for his legacy? I know he had the cup final appearance in 10, but for his legacy, he has to get deep in the playoffs one more time. Doesn't he? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he really does. I mean, his numbers guys, they speak for themselves. The problem is, there's just so many uneducated idiots in this town that want to go, well, what has he won? You know, I did a, a debate with a guy on Twitter the other day going, the measurement for great players is a cup. So I listed about 20 guys, great players. I'm talking guys like Pat LaFontaine. I'm talking Henrik Lundqvist. I went down a deep list of guys that didn't win crap in the playoffs. Right. You know what I mean? And so when they want to make that argument where they haven't had playoffs, well, it's a team sport. And no team sport goes as deep as the NHL because everybody that dresses plays except for the backup goalie. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, right? Right. So you need to have four good lines. You need six good D. And the general manager plays more of a role in that than obviously the captain of the team has and does. Um, But to me, um, you can look at this downturn and go, okay, he's 32. He's got a kid. He's married. He's sliding. But I caution it because – He's also been asked to adapt to a new system on a team that didn't have a third-line center because Nolan Patrick's been out with the migraines. So he's been yo-yoing back and forth between center and the wing all year. He hasn't had any cohesion with who he's playing with. Um, And then, I mean, if you want to say his numbers are down, well, three years ago, four years ago, his numbers, he had a 58-point season. He bounced back the next year with 102 points. Mm -hmm. So... It depends who he's playing with. It depends on what they're asking him to do. And it also depends on the on the power play. The power play has been a bit of a mess lately because he does fill up a lot of points on the man. And the worst thing that ever happened to him was the Laviolette quote after the after the Penguin series in 12 about being the best player in the world. Because, look, he's not the Snyder. I thought Snyder said that. No, that was that was Lavi. Yeah, that was that. Peter. Oh, yeah. I thought Snyder said yeah. something it, it like that. He didn't do him any favors. Yeah. I mean, because I think it cast an image here, and then when you know Crosby with a superior cast went and got, won a couple more cups, and- you don't have to be Crosby to be a great player. Like there are other great players who aren't going to be as good as Sydney, right? But that doesn't mean you can't but be when, considered. But a when great the player. head coach said it, sure, sure, sure. After they beat Pittsburgh right. in a series, but it goes I think back that, to what, I think it, that really. But it goes back to what Jason said. You can be really good, and people just not notice it, right? Because you don't have postseason stuff to warrant it. The other, the other. Well, I mean, look, Laviolette was in a weird position there, guys, because if you remember, it was Game Seven, 
and Giroux game six, said, game I six. want the first or game six. Yeah. Right. Said I want the first shift. You would out he dropped the best player in the world. Yeah, I remember he scored. That. Crosby went in and went bar down on uh, Flurry and scored the goal. Yeah. And he's coming up and he's feeling chesty. He's like, you know, we just beat the the team, the best player in the world. My guy went out there, called his shot, decked him, and scored on him. So my guy's the best in the world. Yeah. It's just a coach being chesty about his player. But you know, there, there's a lot of people that go. Well, Bobby, let's say he was the best player. Why is he not the best player? It's like, can you idiots make up your own mind? Like, you know a coach is going to pump the tires of his best player, especially in that spot. What do you want him to say? Man, Claude Drew really showed why he's the second best player in the world out there today. Like, I think I, I think people lose their minds sometimes. No, a lot of really? times. A lot of times. How long yeah. did it take you like, to I, notice I say this? To people sometimes, like, when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. You know, <laughs> one one player that's really improved this year has been Connect Me. Um, can you talk about him and, and what you've seen that why he's made a step forward here? A um, couple of reasons. I think um, I think first and foremost, guys, and I talked to him about this not on the air but off the air. I think the contract was bothering. Him. Okay, it was weighing on him last year. He had a, he had a decent year last year. I think that being in a contract year for your first legit shot at real money, right. it was weighing on him. Um, and he came in this year a couple of days late because he got, you know he was restricted, but he got the five year, he got the commitment, he got money, and he came in loose as a goose. And this guy is so built right. for the NHL of speed and skill, and he's a pain in the rear end. He's a great teammate. Guys love having him around. The other night, guys, he ended up I think at minus two in the game. In the locker room after the game, couldn't nobody could see him. Nobody knew where he was. He came out of the uh, the medical area in the back. He blocked five shots in the game. The dude looked like he just got beaten up by uh, uh, Flubber Lang. <laughs> but it's those things that make your teammates go. See what this dude's willing to do. That's not that's not his job, by the way. But see what he's willing to do. I better be willing to do it too. Is that different than? I'm um, sorry, That's Mike. Is, is that different than maybe what we've seen in the past couple of years here? Not not from him, but um, I'm saying I'm saying. Look, I, I thought last year there were some guys who I'm, I'm not going to name names, but there were some guys who I thought realized that was over quick and kind of mentally checked out. I mean, it seems like everybody there now is kind of pretty unified for for a common purpose. Well, everybody's on their toes. You know what I mean? Just because. You got a new guy in town, Nino. You got a new level of expectation. You got all that stuff, and and that all goes into it. So, yeah, everybody's trying to impress, and I think that's we're more than halfway through the season now. That's still going on. It almost sounds like what the Phillies are doing with their change of managers, like what you just described, going from Hackstall to Vino. You know, I mean, like going from Hack to Vino isn't nearly as drastic as going from that weirdo <laughs> okay. to I a guy that's just like, like Joe, to me, guys like Joe Girardi, like he is baseball. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're like right. Like everything about Joe Girardi is baseball. Everything about Gabe Kapler was California and bonkers. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I, I buried the lead, but how good is the goalie? You know, is this a guy that for 10 years or so we're going to be able to maybe, you know, we're going to be talking about him being one of the best goalies of this year or like, because we've only saw glimpses of him, I guess. I mean, you know, and most of it's looked pretty good. Well, I mean, look, I'm always very 
I'm the biggest supporter of the goalies in this town, mm-hmm. and I'm their harshest critic. So I'm like kind of the last one to the party a lot of times because, like, I've seen you guys have seen it. Yeah. Whether it's here or anywhere, goalies are very streaky. So when they get hot, they can run very hot, you know. And when they get cold, they can run very cold. And some of them can't ever recapture it. It's just that everything goes right for a period of time, whether that's like Andrew Hammond in Ottawa years ago, the Hamburglar, mm-hmm. or Jim Carrey in Washington, whatever, right? Um, but this kid's foundation was pointing in this direction for so long. Like, he's built for this. He's like the Todd Marinovich of goaltending that actually may pan out. Um, he's had a he's had a, a sports psychologist, a guy named John Stevenson, since he was 13. Okay. Um, he's mature beyond his years. His physical abilities are off the charts. I mean, the kid just, the technical aspects of goaltending, I know a lot of people may not, even know what that means, but there's technical elements to goaltending and save selection and play reading that are that of a 35 year old goaltender that takes you decades to build. He's already there. So barring injury and barring his head getting too big with big, which I cannot see happening. Um, the kid's going to be special. Are you worried about him? Be special. Are you worried about him on the road right now? No, you know what? That's a little bit of an anomaly. Um, I looked at that. We'll get a deep dive into that because his numbers last year on the road were better than home. Right. So I look at that and go, well, why is that? And all of a sudden this year he just can't play on the road. I think a lot of that's just the way that broke down this year, the way the team played in front of him in certain situations. And it became a storyline that maybe a couple of nights it did further the storyline by him not playing great. And that was before his injury. He has some, has he played on the road since he came back? I don't no. Think so. no. No, he, he just played Monday night in uh, at home against Florida. Right. So, and and I guess he will play on this trip, uh, either in Tampa. Playing tonight. Yeah, right. he's playing tonight he is in playing Florida, there. so he'll get a road. Well, yeah. he, well, will, yeah. they, will they start using him? So many conversations with him, you know, like off, not on the air, or right? In an official capacity, just talking about the position and stuff. And I'm just like so impressed, like with him as a human, right? Like, yeah, I'll do an interview with him, and then he'll come back like 10 minutes later. Like, hey, was that all right? Did we need to do that again? I mean, when have you ever had a pro athlete do something like that? That's a good point. When will they you start? Know, I mean, he's great. When will they start doubling him up here and playing? Uh, uh, I think it's, you look at this, I think that he could, if he plays well tonight, he'll get Saturday. So. Okay, because, I mean, we're, we're getting to that point where you're getting towards March, and that's when starting mm-hmm. goaltenders start being kind of work more into a playoff type schedule so i i was wondering and, and brian elliott's been fine it's not as if brian elliott's been bad but uh no, guys he's been phenomenal I, I i beat the drum for brian elliott all summer and people are like what are you doing beating the drum he stinks i'm like first of all you need a veteran goalie to be a tandem with mm-hmm. a young guy a 21 year old number one and i knew that he was going into the offseason able to train instead of rehab which was all the difference in the world and for a goaltender when you're dealing with core issues and you got to rehab that over a summer as you get ready to play in the NHL, it's very difficult when you can just train for a season all summer instead of rehabbing. It made all the difference. I could just – in training camp, I, I watched him play two games, and I went up to him and I said, like, dude, what's going on? He's like, what do you mean? I go, your movements. I'm like, you just, you're just way more fluid. He's like, well, I'm not breaking down scar tissue. I was able to train. So, Jason, if you I look- didn't even need to see a puck on the ice and know he'd be better. 
You should be his goaltending coach. Maybe we'll have to we'll have to like uh, push for that or something. Nah, Kim Dillabaugh's got that job locked down. Yeah. Well, he, he can have an he can have an assistant. With a guy named Jonathan Quick. Yeah, he can have an assistant. Um, if you looked into your crystal ball, what do we got? About six weeks, I guess, till till it's over. Where do you think this? Forget the playoffs, like what the, or, or if you even think the way. Where do you think this team's going to finish? Um, I think they're going to end up finishing wild card number one. And I think they're probably going to get the Caps in the first round. Okay. Because there's a couple teams I see dropping. Um, uh, I don't think that Columbus can maintain. I said this actually even before Seth Loons got injured for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that they've, they've been playing out of their minds. And I just eventually, I think that's going to run out. They lost their last two. So I think that's a team that's going to fall out. I think the Islanders could fall out as well. The Islanders don't scare me. And the Carolina Hurricanes don't scare me either. I think that's going to be one team from the Metro. I think the Flyers will be wild card number one, and I think either Florida or Toronto will be wild card number two. Boy, if Toronto doesn't make it this year, there will be hell to yeah. play up there. I mean, they've already fired Babcock, but I mean, yeah. They so see, who do you yeah. fire after that? Then? What, what do you, what do you do, Jeff? Fire the GM. <laughs> okay, and then you go where? <laughs> it's then, like, <laughs> then you're the Maple Leafs, and that's just what they do anymore. I know. Well, guys, all the, all the crap they give Flyers down here for not winning the Cup since oh you know, my forty God. plus years. The Leafs haven't won one six, 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 seven. Yeah. Hey, Montreal hasn't won one since 93. Well, Canada. Yeah. Which almost seems Canada like, as a whole hasn't won one since 93. Um, uh, all right. I, I got to ask you before we let you go. Did you, uh, did you read Mike Silski's column today? I did not. I okay. did not either. All right. Mike wrote about the playoff format. And he hates the, in the NHL. In the NHL. I and, did a whole podcast on it last week. Okay. Wow. And he hates Thanks the, for listening, Mike. <laughs> you know, he, I've well, never listened to a podcast well, in my life, so I, ha- I have I have to be honest hates, with you. He hates the idea I that do him. He thinks that teams only getting that teams are playing still for just the point. Okay, with overtime, he's right. and he's right. So why don't they go to like a soccer model where they take three for a win and one? Even if you want to get the point for the tie, where there's a clear difference between a win and a loss, you know, in a game like that. Yeah, to me, guys, if you lose, you couldn't get shit from Shinola. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we don't need to make this like a physics equation. If you win, you get two. If you lose, you don't get anything. Now, if you want to extend the overtime so it, that's not determined in a shootout, okay. I'm, I, don't, I think the three-on-three is dumb, but I'm a hockey purist. You know what I mean? Because I don't think three-on-three is high. I agree with um, you. I'm – yeah, but people love it. So okay, I know. keep it in. Just extend the three on three till somebody scores. Eventually, you're going to have to put guys out there that have no business being on the ice in a three on three, and right. somebody's going to score. Yeah. It won't get past seven minutes. I can tell you that. Right, it, it, and and to me, the system that they have with the three per division and the two wild cards, I I can't stand that either because, yeah, I think for the average fan, I, look, hockey still deals. Hockey has its diehards, but I don't think. The 70% that maybe watch playoff hockey in April and May can understand necessarily or keep track of what the format is now that they've changed it three or four times, you know? Yeah. Well, I get what they try to do because what they did is they created a bracket system. Right. Like the NCAA. So I get that. Like they wanted to start like the Stanley Cup final or Stanley Cup playoffs bracket challenge. But let's face it, that's not going to work. You know, no. the level that the NCAA one works. Like, let's not be silly here. The NBA uh, doesn't do it that way either. Yeah, I mean, you can't go one through sixteen because, like, what happens if you get the Flyers against Vancouver in the first round and you're you're traveling? 
you know, 21,000 miles in the first week, you know, yeah. like that's brutal, but just go one through eight into your conference to me is real simple. One plays eight, seven plays two, and you reseed after every round. I always saw what made the we NHL. Had too many times where like Washington or Pittsburgh gets knocked out in the first round. Yeah, right. And right. one of those teams could go on a run. It's just, you know, yeah. the commissioner has, has said there's no appetite from the league for playoff format reform. Well, I got to tell you, there's a huge appetite from the fans and from the media. Yeah, I always thought, Jason, what made the NHL intriguing back in the, was the local, you know, the fact that the Flyers played the Rangers seven or eight times a year. And you had those back-to-backs and you knew stuff was going to happen and all. But I agree with you. Like, when you get to the playoffs, and I know sometimes you can't control this stuff, but you don't want Pittsburgh and Washington playing early in the playoffs. It's just it, it's just kind of defeatist. And, but that's me. I, you know. I, want them playing for, I want them playing in the conference final. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I know you, know, you can't always control that. Got, yeah. Like stitches. Yeah. <laughs> and beards are just all the way to the ice. Yeah. yeah. Like it looks like ZZ tops on the ice. Love that. Yeah. Love yeah. that. By the way, when Rob Manfred looks in, at your play, top. when Rob Manfred looks at your playoff system and goes, yeah, that's pretty, that's kind of silly. That probably means something. So the NHL should pretty yeah. take warning. J- Jason, talk about an empty suit, Rob Manfred. Oh my God! Don't even get me started, boys. Yeah, you, <laughs> go you're ahead. Not, you're not wrong. No, no. I mean, I'd like. You know what I'd like to take to that sport right now? A, a demolition ball. Yeah, it needs so much help. And it's sad because I I love the sport and everything, but it is it's misrun, and the idea that they're just grasping at straws. Like, look, the game had some issues, but. It was issues they could have fixed, but anyway, that's all. Yeah. Well, well, Ken, you loved the sport what it was. It's not that anymore, though. That's the problem. You know, when the ball is in play in real time every four and a half minutes on average, big problem. Yeah, but I'll say this, Jason. I also think, and this is a rant that I'm sure Kern and I were going to get into at some point, but I think one of the things that's hurt baseball is the fact that they make you feel dumb for watching it. And what I mean by that is the broadcast themselves with all the analytics and all the little, because they feel like they have to fill so much empty time. Yeah. It, it just, you feel like you need an Ivy league degree. And, and most people just don't feel that interested in getting in the math. It's like doing your taxes no. every night. Dude, you're so right. Like, like I just missed the days of being able to hear the whiskey bottle from Richie Ashburn. <laughs> Cause they let the game breathe. Remember when you would hear him put? You'd hear him screwing the whiskey bottle lid back on, or 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 Harry lighting the cigar in the background with like yeah, you could oh, hear yeah. the flick of the uh, the lighter. Yeah, yep, absolutely. It's per- progress, pal. That is progress. Jason Martinez from. Hey, did they have war in hockey? Uh, they they probably do. I'm sure Giroux's numbers are great. <laughs> just, yeah. On base on base percentage in hockey, I like. You know, like J- Jason Bertitas from the Flyers. What's the formal title of it? So I have it right. Flyers Broadcast Network. Okay. And uh, the one I do, uh, Flyers Daily. Right. And I do Flyers Fix. Flyers Daily is just that. It's a podcast every day. And Flyers Fix is every two weeks. This The second episode we had on Elaine Vigneault and Claude Giroux and Michael Raffle. So it was a good episode. So Jason, when I heard you the other night before the game, were you doing like the pregame show or something? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that's where because it was good to hear your voice again. That was the first time I'd actually because I usually don't listen to pregame stuff, 
But I turned the channel yeah. and there you were. <laughs> it was like, I'm like, it's good to be heard again, boys. It's it always good to be it's heard. It's always good to be heard. <laughs> Jason, I appreciate sure it, down. man. We'll, we'll talk to you soon again. Time. Go stop some pucks. Well, yep. <laughs> Thanks, Jason <laughs> Martinez from the Philadelphia Flyers and long time from 97.5, the Fanatic and 94. Well, WIP back when it was 610 as well. 2008. So. World Series. That was 610. And Jason and I, we were on the game because I hadn't done it in a while then. And apparently there's an ugly rumor going around that I'm going to be on Saturday with Rob Cherry from 3 to 6. But they called me up and they said, can you, I don't know, maybe they were shorthand. Who knows? And Jason and I were doing the show as they're playing game five. Right. And then all of a sudden, game five, they're not playing it anymore. And we were trying to figure out. How do you think I out? felt? <laughs> yeah, no, but we didn't know what was going on. Like, we didn't know if the game was going to be called and the Phillies were going to win the game. If they were, you know, we had no clue. And sure. then I think we were on, I think I was on the night that they actually won it. I'm pretty sure we were on. Well, the, the true story. Sorry about that. I dropped my mouse. Um, we all had sidebars. We had tons of sidebars going for that game. And then suddenly the game ends, and it's like, well, what do you do? You know, like... You write something and send it in. Yeah. It's basically what you do. I mean, you know, what else are you going to do? Punt? Pretty, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, hey, you know, it's... there. There's an infamous story. I'm sure you've heard this one. There was a writer who was covering the Flyers back in the early days, and... um I'm not sure if I should say this, but he came into the office at a paper. It was a suburban paper and who said, yeah, there's no game that there was no, no flyers game today. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going home. I'll see you later. And the guy's like, well, aren't you writing something? Why was there no game? He goes, ah, the roof blew off. And he didn't write anything on it. It happens. (laughs) I, I look, you know, um, I mean, you know, if you're if you're the guys that were the covering the Blues game the other night, when the guy, you know, oh. goes, I mean, Oof. you know, you got to Jay co- Bowmeister. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we've all been in that situation at some point in our lives. Well, I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, I was covering a Temple and IT game the one year. Mm-hmm. Marty Collins goes down like with 15 seconds left in the game, right? And is laying on the ground for like a half hour because they didn't have a um, the fibula- no. the medevac thing, the, oh, the, ambulance, the, the ambulance, there ambulance there because Temple had forgotten to get one. Because it wasn't the regular season. It's a, a long story. Um, but, yeah, you're sitting there. And, I mean, he was okay after a l- little bit. But, you know, we didn't know. Um, you know, we've all been there. We've all um, something. I, I, I remember covering a high school football game once. And I don't remember all the details, but somebody went down. And it wasn't, no. you know, it wasn't good. Because you don't know what you might have to You write. don't. Uh, I was looking to see if I could get a couple quotes today from Matt Clintac. No, who, no, no, no. Why? Why not? Well, why? No, because you're just doing it to make him look stupid. That's why no. you're doing it. Yes, you are. No. no. Yeah. Well, I can tell you what he said. Go ahead. He said, we're, we're, we, we think we can be pretty good. We think we're going to, we want to take the next step. Management wants it. Ownership wants it. I want it. The players want it. And then something about it. He thinks they have enough pitching. What else do you have to play? Uh, That's what he said. Whether or not they're done making moves, I'm sure they're not done making moves. It's 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 February the 13th. Why would you be done making moves when you can make moves up to like what is it now? July 1st. What's the date that you can make uh, moves till? Well, you can make moves until July 31st. 31st. Okay, I didn't know what the date was. Okay, so I mean, no, they're not done making moves. 
How about that? I just answered the question. That doesn't mean they'll make a move. It means they're not done thinking. They got four months, Kevin. Yeah. To think about making a move. All right. I don't know. I'm guessing they're going to try to make a move. Here is Matt Klintak. This is a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> and, and produce a winning season and, and play baseball in October. Um, we have the talent. We've got a winning manager to do that. We've got committed ownership. We've made additional um, uh, we've added additional players to the roster this year to help get us there. Um, I think that's true. I think that's what our fans want. I know that's what our owners want. Um, and it's what I want. So that is Matt Clintac talking courtesy of MLSB.com. Yeah, and, and, but see, again, we go to say, what do we expect him to say? There's probably no. 12 other general managers in baseball in similar positions who are going to say the same thing. No. The Mets general manager is going to say the same thing. Um, the Braves manager, general manager, although they did win the division the last two years. So um, I could go through any number of teams. The Reds general manager, hey, we made a lot of moves this, this offseason. Well, they actually did. I know, <laughs> but what, but so did the Phillies. They went out and got a shortstop. They, I mean, um, I'm just saying, I don't know what. You want him to sit there and go, boy, I don't really think I've done I'm it. Not- Kevin, 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 just listen to me first. Okay. You want Because this isn't Philadelphia. We'll, 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 we'll make fun of him. I don't mean you. I'm just saying people will hear that and say, Jesus, what, the, what do you want him to say? Man, I really haven't done a good job. Our pitching stinks. I don't think we have enough of it. Um, we got, you know, we saw, I mean, really, like what, like, what would you want Elton Brand to come out and say? Elton Brand's going to hold a press conference and say, you know what? Maybe I didn't put this team together correctly. No, people don't do that. They, they don't, that's not the way the world works. It, it's, <laughs> but yet we, we, we have to interview these people oh, yeah. because that's what we do for a living. Like that, the whole Astros thing today. You know, other than how you know I was than, loading up that? Well, you can load. They didn't say anything. I don't know what you're going to play. Well, I, I don't know what Altuve's saying there, but I mean, the only person that I that I would listen to is Dusty Baker, because Dusty, right? You know, wasn't part of it, and you know, now has to be the guy that has to kind of hold it together. Yes, right. I, I don't know. Since we've brought the subject up, don't play that one. That that one's too the locker room one maybe yeah you might say something in the locker room let's say, let's play Jose Altuve after coming out him and Alex Bregman both came out and gave statements uh, about the said they were sorry for what happened sorry for what happened and they did it in probably the worst acting display ever but here we go MLB did their investigation and you know they didn't find anything you know they they found what they found in 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 2017 they really good investigated obviously. They, they did an investigation on, on, you know, the buzzer. They didn't find anything. So, you know, when you said you don't believe that I didn't have a buzzer, you don't believe in what MLB investigated. So. Did you guys know what you were doing with ball? <laughs> yeah, kind of. You know, and that's why we feel bad. And, you know, I'm not going to say to you that it was it was good. It was wrong. You know, like we feel bad. Uh, we feel remorse, like I said, the impact in our fans, the impact in the game. Uh, you know, we, we feel bad. All right, so that is... I'll give him something for saying that. that. Yeah, but that was said, much better than what he said earlier. Well, what he said earlier was just it, like a statement. Like mm-hmm. they were kind of, But what I don't get is when he said, yeah, they caught us in 17. But then they investigated us in 19 and didn't find anything. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, really, the Astros are just trying to make it, like, they got caught. 
It happens. People get caught. The Patriots have gotten caught. Um, It's going to happen again because that's what teams try to do things to get an advantage. They said Tony La Russa was doing this 30 years ago with the A's. Um, They got caught. But I want Altuve to explain to me what he was doing when he crossed the plate, when he was running down the third baseline after hitting the home run off and Chapman. And turtled up. <laughs> and, and just said, nobody, you play to me. Get, get 200 people who have hit home runs like that. Mm-hmm. There might not be 200, but I'm just saying. Everyone has his hands up like this, they're so, and they're ripping their jersey off. Yeah. But he didn't want his jersey ripped off. Okay? Just explain to me why. All right. The biggest clown of the day, though, was Astros owner Jim Crane. Commissioner's report was very thorough, and they did a lot of work on it. Um, where, where the commissioner came down, which I agree with him, is that it could have been stopped, and it wasn't stopped, and people had knowledge of it based upon the report. So um, we hold those two guys accountable um, for what happened and, and not, not stopping that action. Do you believe that um, the Astros should still retain the 2017 pennant, to- you know, despite the way that the team cheated? Um, listen, the commissioner made it clear that um, we weren't going to go backwards. Uh, the, the championship would stay intact, and I agree with him. Uh, Mr. Crane, what do you have to say to the Yankees and teams that you beat in 17? Listen, the, the Yankees have had a few comments out there. Um, you know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. I mean, that, that quote there. Well, here, 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 if it didn't impact the game, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Right. And you're going to tell and me. And if it didn't impact the game, why'd you fire your general manager and your manager? It, because it looked bad. He'll, he'll tell you because of the optics. Uh, you're going to tell me. And apparently the manager a couple times wanted, or went in and like bashed the blew bit, up bat, some of the yeah. equipment or whatever. You're going to tell me the owner didn't know? I mean, seriously, you're, it'd be like telling me when we go back to the Joe Paterno argument. You know, what did Joe know? What didn't Joe know? Joe knew everything. Joe was Joe. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not saying he knew every detail. I don't. I don't mean it that way. You're going to tell me Crane never heard one word, like ever, like your team might be doing. The A's apparently told Major and, and Manfred didn't do anything until the guy Friars right opened up his mouth. So if that guy Friars had never opened up his mouth, none of this. And, w- and what's going to happen to the Red Sox? I mean, I don't even know if the Red Sox did it or not because they haven't told us what the invest. It's a joke. It, I mean, look, there's nothing baseball can do about it. They can't take the World Series away from them. You can't. If people want to put an asterisk next to it, that's fine. Put your asterisk next to it. I got no problem with that. But when the owner stands up there and tells you, well, then I'm going to tell you something. This is going to be a weird season for the Astros. Oh, it's Because brutal. not only, and you know the funny thing is? How about this? They don't play the Yankees in New York until September. Yeah, I know. I actually was looking. They, <laughs> they was play them early in the year in Houston, which actually they play them late in the year, and that could be like a playoff preview if, if maybe both teams are going to be in the playoffs. I mean, I assume the Yankees are. But can you imagine what Houston's going to have to go through this year? Yeah. On the road? Yeah. And, I mean, what do you think would happen – Let's say this happened to the Phillies. Let's say the Phillies had won the World Series in 17, mm-hmm. lost in 19. Um, everything had happened, but it happened here in Philadelphia. If you're a home fan base, like, how do you treat it? 
So how will the Astro fan base treat it? I, that's a good question because it's the one bright mark that's, I mean, look, they had some decent eras in the past. But that's their but, only World Series. But that's their only World Series. And they stunk like before that because yeah. they had to be bad to get good. Yeah. I don't but know. How do you feel about like Altuve? Like, I'm sure there's people. Altuve who, was on his way to the Hall of Fame. And, and now he still might, well, he didn't get penalized. No, but but it's a, well, no, his numbers will get him in the Hall of Fame. It's not, <laughs> they will, unless he just stops playing. Like if You don't think those guys get the same mark that the steroids guys get? No, I don't. I think it's different. A steroid guy took steroids on his own. These guys had people directing them to do this, okay, whether you agree with it or not. Like, I don't think, if Houston's doing this two years ago, two or three years ago, I guess, we, mm-hmm. does Altuve walk into the locker room and say, no, I'm not doing this? Does Bregman do that? No, probably not. I mean, Verlander today had, like, quotes. He was like, yeah, looking back, we shouldn't have done it, but we did. Because they were all in it together. I, 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 they're not going to get marked the same, but it's just, like, let, let's say we had our heroes. Yeah, We were Philly fans. There's people in Houston, I'm sure, that revere Bregman, Altuve, George, uh, Springer. Springer. All those guys. They're their heroes. Mm-hmm. They won a World Series. They almost won. And then the, the, the weird, weird thing this year, I was thinking about this. They lost four games at home in the World Series. That's like bizarre. how is that possible if, if you were cheating? <laughs> it's like, but if I'm a if I'm a Routers Chapman, and that whole play, and, and he Chapman can, did make a statement. Well, he said, that. "Yeah, it's, it looks controversial, or it looks yeah, uh, which is right, fishy. Looks fishy." I want Altuve to explain that play to me in something that makes sense, mm-hmm. just to say, "Oh my God, I had niche." I didn't want somebody, I had a rash on my chest. I didn't want somebody to see it. Just explain it to me. Yeah. But then again, if you're cheating and you lost four World Series games at home, that's not good cheating. That's not good cheating. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that that it gave them an advantage with every batter, every pitch. It's like people, you know, Bobby Thompson homer in 51, where apparently Bobby knew there was, you know, a high fastball coming from Ralph Franken and drilled Mm -hmm. it. They were losing four to one going into the ninth inning of that game. Yeah. Okay. But we could sit here forever. But for the owner to say it had no impact, then okay, the next, you know what the follow-up question should have been? Then why'd they do it? Do it. Yeah. And and he takes no culpability. And maybe he didn't know. No. Like maybe I'm, but you're going to tell me, Kevin, you, you own the field. John Middleton. Okay. And for a year, two years, maybe three years, your guys are doing this. You're going to tell me that John Middleton would have never heard a rumor no, I don't know. I mean, if you're the owner and you hear that the manager went down and blew up something in the in the locker room, wouldn't you ask why? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I, you know. But you're right. You can't go back. You can't go back and change it. Our buddy Chris Carlin actually just tweeted out. By, by the way, Jim Crane basically told the Yankees to go pound sand. And he's he's allowed to do that. And then the Yankees are allowed to go out and beat the crap out of him. They're allowed to throw at their batters. They're allowed to do well, and I think basically that, whatever they want. And I was just going to say, I think that's going to be the ultimate ending to this. The ultimate end game is there's going to be a lot of those guys, Bregman and Altuve and all them, they're going to be a flat on their back a lot. But you shit. can only do that so much, Kevin. You can't, because the, the umps know. The umps aren't stupid. You're going to go into every series. Like, the first time the Yankees played, the, and I'm not saying the Yankees would do that, but any team, mm-hmm. but, but I'm just saying, let's say the Yankees. So first any first game they play and they go in and, and whoever the Yankees pitcher happens to be throws one at somebody's leg or whatever he does. Okay. And the ump's going to go out and say, okay, next time you're gone. 
I mean, you can only do that so much. The best way to, to beat them is to beat them. Yeah. And ultimately, I guess the Yankees are slighter, are, are a little bit heavier favorite than they are, I guess, in the yeah, American they're, League. Yeah, they're way right. now. Um, but Houston still should be good. I mean, you know, um, I don't know. You know, the Angels have improved themselves. Uh, I mean, who else? I don't know what Boston's going to be this year. Um, who, uh, Tampa was pretty good last year, Tampa, right? Tampa, Tampa Twins, Twins, Tampa, they made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, but they got the ring. The, the ultimate thing is, are they embarrassed? Are they, I, I mean, I don't know if they're embarrassed. They looked embarrassed today when they were, when they were standing up there in front of the camera, but they won a World Series. Yep. Uh, before we go, there's two things I wanted to touch on. One, what do you think about it? I've been talking here for five minutes because I don't shut up. I, I think that you're they, a baseball guy, so so you're. I would value your I opinion. Blame, I blame the commissioner, and I blame Jim Crane. I blame obviously the powers that be. Well, why I, do you blame the commissioner? Because I, I think the commissioner, I think the commissioner's weakness has shown in all this. And what I mean by that is simple. There was a warning put out in seventeen. Okay. There was? There was a warning put out in 17 about the smartwatches and technology and everything. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, don't do that. It's trying to, it's like scolding a bunch of seventh graders. When you say don't do that, right? you are basically telling them, you know, then a, a warning is met with an even harsher warning and then a harsher warning. Like if baseball knew about this for the whole time, that this was a problem. It had to address its instant replay system. It had to address every issue with this in a more representative way. Okay. And I think that's where the commissioner, and I think the way Manfred conducted this investigation, even since this all came to light last year, has been really, like, suspect. I mean, we still don't know, like, is anything going to happen to Boston? We don't. We it's don't supposed know. to come this week. Okay, but the manager got whacked. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know what... Beltran obviously got whacked with the Mets. Yeah, I don't know what you can do with the players. Like, the, to me, the only thing you can do, you can't suspend them because you can't suspend the whole team. Well, you can't. You, you can't You can't walk in and say, and say, okay, the 10, the 15 Houston players who are still on the team from 17, we're going to suspend you for 12 games. I, you wouldn't have a team. You can find them, but I mean, I don't know. If Let's say, for sake of argument, they find out to a um, half a million. Right. Okay. I mean, he's making 20. I don't know what he makes. It, and then the Players Association would get involved. The Players Association has been quiet through this. Which, they have. Now, do you find that no. surprising? No, because I think here's the thing. It's almost like the steroid era was. Um, you're going to have about 20% who are going to be, who may have done this. Mm-hmm. And the other 80% there are going to be extremely pissed off. Look, there's a lawsuit by one of the pitchers from the Blue yeah. Jays who, who was suing. You think Zan- he has any track? I mean, no, probably I know not. the guys. Well, yeah. Uh, the, the, one of the things today that people had said, speculated, was the reason why the Astros don't want to get into details is because if there is a lawsuit, lawsuit. and it goes to court, yeah. they would. But anyway, do, uh, what, what do you think of uh, Friars? What, 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 what do you think of him? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with what he did. I mean, look, should he have mentioned it when he was still an Astro? Well, that wasn't going to happen. No. Okay. I mean, that wasn't going to happen. So, you know, is it disgruntled? Yeah, but, like, people, the the Jess Mendoza thing of kind of, like, 
pointing him out as like, right. oh, yeah. how dare you break the co- bullshit? Well, I mean, you're the Astros in 17. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm, we don't know if it happened in 18 or 19, but okay. It happened in 17. You know that people from that team are going to move. Yeah. You're not keeping the team together. Doesn't matter if you get a ring. No, no, no. What I'm saying is if you're the Astros, don't you, doesn't somebody sit there and go, okay, we traded that guy here, this uh-huh. guy left. One of these guys is going to say something. Now, it took a year and a half, yeah. right? But wasn't that ever a concern? Or did they just think, ah, everybody will shut up because they won? Yeah. Can I lighten the mood here? Yeah. Put on your headsets. Oh, before you do that, one other question. If you're Friars, why wouldn't you tell the team that you went to? Like immediately? Well, no, when you're going to play the Astros and say, hey, by the way, guys. They were cheating. Yeah, this is how they do it. Probably did. They probably just kept it behind closed doors. Okay, okay, fair enough. All right. You've missed this guy. Here we go. I I personally don't consider myself new school. I don't consider myself analytics. I don't consider myself old school. I just consider myself somebody who who tries to listen to players and and try to, you know, help them them grow and develop. Um, One of the things that's valuable about Hunter and also Buster and, and both Brandons and some others is, is the exposure to the winning that went on here 2010, 2012, 2014. Uh, because with that file comes the, the ability to understand what, what makes players tick and, right. and perhaps even what will lead to a lot of winning in the future. So I think right now I'm still kind of on that listening tour. The way trust is, is built between players and managers and coaches is through consistency every single day, multiple conversations, sit-downs, talking about baseball, but talking about things off the field as well. And if there's one area that, that I'm going to make an investment, it's in getting to know Hunter and our teammates very, very well. Oh, and my God. Him where, and Hunter where, where Pence. Did Bumgar- where, where did Bumgarner go? Arizona. Okay. Well, I'm sure. I, look, Could you see Gabe trying to relate to Bumgarner? If you that can was- say anything you want about Gabe. I'll give the man credit. He got a job. He did. I mean, it's we nice. can say anything we want about Gabe Kapler. Got he got let go by the Phillies and got a job immediately, whether that's right, wrong, or however you want to phrase it. Okay, so, and whatever he's trying to do might work somewhere else. I, I, you know, it did. But you want to you want to talk about a contrast though, going from Bruce Bochy to him. Yeah, and Bruce hadn't won in four years. I mean, you know, things, everything. Their last title was six years ago. It doesn't seem that long it, it, because they won three in five years. But I'm just saying, things in, in sports, you know, some guy comes into one situation and it works. Now, like Vigneault's been in two situations where, you know, it worked. Right. So you're hoping it's a third year. But, I mean, look at Bill Belichick in Cleveland for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes the greatest coach of all time. Um, I wasn't on board with Gabe because that's just not me. Right. I'm old school, I did, but that's the way the game is going. Yeah, it is. I just think in Philadelphia, it was a bad fit. Yeah. And it all started with the first game when he took Noah out. After and six. people were like, huh? About 74 pitches. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I mean, I, that's why I think Girardi was the clear choice, however it turns out. Whatever you think of Girardi, it was the right choice. Going. It was the right choice for a lot of reasons, but mm-hmm. basically because you've you've went like, from this guy over here, it was like going from Chip Kelly. I won't say to Doug because Doug wasn't like an established guy. That was, but but it was going from like Chip Kelly to um, 
Mike McCarthy. I mean, if, right. if that's the the move that you made, um, well, you always go in opposites. And I mean, I mean, think about it. they went from Andy, who was kind of stale at the end, always go to Chip, yeah, then back to one of Andy's. Well, what were disciples. you saying? Like if Brett, if Brett, let's say this season doesn't end the way they want, and Brett gets let go, they'll go to a disciplinary. Probably, you would think they might not, but but they might. I mean, that you know, uh, you know, a UB Brown type, you know, it's gonna. I mean, QB's 88 years old. No, right? I said a type. Okay. You know, a guy that's going to come in there and and probably have a short shelf life. Yeah. Because he's going to, what was it? You were telling me, we were talking about a coach before, and I brought up a name, and you were like, yeah, but he, he comes in. Oh, Mark Jackson. Yeah. I think you said that. Like, Mark comes in and he's Pisses going to, everybody off. Pisses and, everybody off, but he might win in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, And we've had hockey. Hockey's like that, too. You go from... You, you know uh, the Keenan to you know yeah. then you get an, and then you, you it, pitch to yeah. exactly it and because you're always trying to find the the right balance uh, what so, you call you, so, you know the Sixers now are, are I think they're one of the best teams in the league because they beat the Clippers at home. God, I but, hope I hope they're right. I hope everybody's right, and the Sixers are. <laughs> no, I do. I, I know. I, I you know. Can, let me get to the f- closing point, and this is something I told you I wanted to talk about. So I went to the car show the other night. Okay. Did you buy one? I did not. Okay. Although I, my wife was tempted. Okay. She's allowed to be. Yeah. So, and we went to the one portion as we walked in. This, you know, there's it, before you get there, you can buy cars that like you you could walk. Well, over. They hook you up with a dealer. And okay, so if you said I like this car here, and they'll tell okay. you, yeah, okay, okay. And it's weird because a lot of the cars actually were not powered, so like there was no power in them, so you couldn't really like. You know, you could open the door, see what it looked like inside, but you couldn't see, like, the panel light up and all that. Anyway. Sure. Um, so we walk in, and Subaru has a display right in front of us. And my wife has a Subaru, and she loves her Good Subaru. cars. Very good cars. And, you know, we're looking at the one car. And over to the side, it, I think this is the most brilliant marketing idea I've ever seen. They're doing Adopt the Puppy. I saw that on the news. On the TV. Channel 3 must have been. Yeah. And so I go over because I'm a, do- a sucker for dogs. I would have been there with you, babe. And there was a dog named uh, Baxter, okay, mm-hmm. whose family had broken up and they had given him up a week ago. What kind of dog? Like like a, a lab mix. So bigger dog? Um, medium? Medium. Okay. Kind of a older. Looked like it was like... And you s- fell in love with it. And it, it's... It's tough because he was crying because he was looking for his people. I know. know. It's like, it's a brilliant thing by Subaru, and it's nice what they're doing, and it's also like. Absolutely. Like, I already got two here. I I have in a row home I own. We used to go before we actually adopted Rebel, like 15 years ago, I guess it is now, or whatever it was. We would go up to, like, the the pet store. Yeah. You know, where they had the puppy. You know, they had the. uh, I used to hate it. And one time we actually took a puppy into the little side thing where yeah. you can. I felt so guilty, Kevin. I felt I felt because I felt like I was doing this puppy a disservice because he was like he, all he wanted to do was go home with somebody, mm-hmm. and he's looking at us, and I'm looking and I'm like, and we just weren't ready yet. We we just we weren't, and I felt like the the, the biggest piece of crap on the face of the earth when I walked out of there mm-hmm. that I didn't take that dog with me because you know just be, because and um. Yeah, how, how can when you see the dog and then the dog looks at you and and 
gives you a kiss or whatever, wolfs at you, whatever. How can you not fall in love with the dog? Yeah. But the problem is you can fall in love with 50 of them. Yeah. That's, and as I said to my wife all the time, we've saved one. We say, we've saved this, this one we have now. Yep. We're doing our part. Yeah. <laughs> I bet and, you they got rid of all, I, I think that the whole thing about that story too was, maybe they were going to get rid of like, they thought they were going to get rid of all these dogs because there was some pet shelter in Jersey, I think Northern Jersey. Right. They got a whole bunch from Puerto, I want to say Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico. After they had, and I'm looking at the, and I'm just thinking who wouldn't take one of those dogs home with right. them? And uh, this is where I'm going to give a cheap plug. I got my two dogs, Finley and Fergus, at the Riley Rescue. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where's that at? They're over in Jersey. Okay. It's a rescue organization. Ryan Lawrence, my buddy, is the one who hooked me up. Uh, You can find them on Facebook, uh, the Riley, R-I-L-E-Y, Rescue. Um, Give a look. A lot of great dogs. They also, my two dogs, when they came in here, were now look there's obviously potty training and everything but they were as sweet as could be and trained like so mm-hmm. if i know some people worry about especially have kids or something they are as sweet well as my two had been abused yeah to what level we don't know i think my male dog he was a little skittier sk- more skittish the female not but you don't know what that means when right. they tell you they've been abused you, you don't right. you know you don't know Mine Whatever. just came, I think, from Puppy Mills, maybe yeah. in the South or something. So I, I tell people all the time, and they, I, I've had friends. I had a friend who drove up to New York and spent like three grand, four right. grand to get a dog. And it's a beautiful dog. I'm not going to sit there right. and tell you. Why won't you adopt a dog rather than a shelter dog or a rescue dog? Rescue or whatever. dog, whatever. Because those dogs need homes. And mm-hmm. eventually, at some point, if they don't find homes, they might have to get, you know, I mean, look, we're not going to save every pet in the world. Right. Some. People are going to get euthanized because that's and there and there are some works. and there are some that quite frankly the abuse or whatever just didn't they're not able to transition. You see that the commercial used to, there's a couple on TV, but the one I always thought was a great one was when the uh, the vet the veteran from like Afghanistan or something yeah. who lost his leg, he goes to the pound yep. and he finds the dog, dog and then he's taking the dog home with him. And yep. I just sit there every time I see it, I start I start like getting all uh, like. Yep. Yeah, save a dog, save a cat, save a dog, save a you know whatever you know. So wanted to bring that up before we uh, say goodnight here, and because uh, I know Mr. Kearns. How did you leave here. the dog then? I mean, how did you? That's hard, man. We, I know it was hard. There's it is. <laughs> I know, and you knew the name of this dog. They they told you the name. Yeah, of him? Baxter. Baxter, right? I mean, so what do you say at some point? Okay, Baxter. Like, um, yeah, yeah. And he like, he wants to go with you. Yeah, and and f- thankfully there was. A, a little kid behind us, mm-hmm. so they brought him in to to see it, which made me feel a little better. I mean, again, if you live in Northeast Philly and you have two dogs in a row you're, home, it's, you're sufficient. Yeah. Uh, it, before I had my first, our dog. But and there's yeah. also the question when you have dogs of whether they'll play nice sure. if they were around. Well, that's why, yeah. We, I've always said to Gene, one, one is enough. When something happens to, to, to uh, Chanel. You better get them early if you're going to have two. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we got Rebel was about five, Chanel was about four, something like that. Yeah, so we got him like mid. Mine, mine was six months and two months but before. This is going back. Oh God, this has to be twenty years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Eddie Barker, which is dad, is an auctioneer, right? He's, so Temple does this thing every year where they have this, you know, they have all these auctions to raise money for stuff, yeah. and I they were doing it. And Mister Barkowitz, among the other things he was auctioning off, was a dog, and it was a beautiful dog. It was the, it, it was like this this 
I'm trying to like, like it was golden, right. just beautiful. Just this dog was, and I'm sitting there, and they're bidding and they're bidding, and I'm thinking, should I bid? Should I? I'm trying to think like so many things are going through my mind. Like, and finally somebody, and and, and it was like a little kid. They got yeah, yeah and it was like six, seven, but I was close. Yeah. I, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking like, should I do this? Should I? Should I? And but we're we're thrilled with our Italian yeah. greyhounds, and and you know, but yeah, yeah. if you're going go. If you if you want to, you shouldn't get a get a pet if you don't want to because then right. you're going to wind up taking them back anyway, back and that's how they get the backlog of yep. whatever. So, all right, man, I, have a good weekend. We'll see you uh, next week. You're going away this weekend, right? Going down to visit my daughter in Baltimore. Yep. Crab cakes and pit beef. That's not bad. Thank you for joining us here as we conclude another week. We'll see you next week. Tuesday. This has been. We'll see you Tuesday. I'm working to be.